Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by Darby Robinson. In this week's episode, we are going to talk a lot about pitching. It's been a point of concern for many Rays fans and probably Rays coaches and front office members as well. So, Darby, the good news is Tyler Glass now, maybe the best of the bunch in this Rays organization, is set to return to the rotation at the big league level this weekend when the Rays face the Dodgers. He made another really sharp rehab outing in Durham, and he looks ready to go. There was a slight scare a couple weeks ago with um, like a side or an oblique. Turns out he's okay. He's ready to rejoin the rotation. Man, that is just exciting news. I mean, it's huge. Uh, Like Tyler Glass now, when he's healthy uh he is you know top 10 major league pitcher potentially a top five major league pitcher uh like the stuff the ceiling it's it's through the roof it's it's the top tier i mean he is you know the there is no level of um gosh i guess like craze or hype or hyperbole that you can go too high on because he is literally that good uh but similar to Similar to um, Jacob deGrom, it's been, can he stay on the field, right? Every, how many innings are you going to get? So if, if he can come back, which it's looking great. I mean, the, the, the rehab starts have looked as dominant as you would expect. I mean, he is pitching against AAA guys and it's, it's quite dominant, which is what you need to do, right? That's the level. Like if he's struggling in AAA, that'd be you know, a little concerning, but no, he, he absolutely was shoving him around today. Six innings, two hits, one run, uh, six strikeouts. Uh, the last one he had like nine or 10 strike. Like it was like crazy. He was absolutely crushing it. So high level competition uh, in Durham and he looks absolutely sharp and ready. This was going to be, we were thinking that potentially he might've come back after the last one. I think they wanted to take it a little bit more easy. They're again, playing for the long haul, this is not for the, uh, you know, you can't win the division in May, but you can lose it. And if you lose glass now, then you do. Uh, so yeah, getting him back, getting him right, being a little cautious. I think that's probably the right thing to do. And right now it lines up that he will be making his triumphant uh, 2023 return and debut Friday night, a devil Rays night mm. with Randy land against the Los Angeles Dodgers and Oh, who also is lined up for that Friday? Future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw. That's like, get your tickets now. Head to the, like, that's get in line. That's amazing. I'm also thinking, like, last week when the Rays and the Yankees were playing, I'm like, this should be Sunday Night Baseball. Like, I think even there's, like, national interest in these two teams and their history the last few years. Like, that felt like a Sunday night baseball matchup in Yankee stadium. They don't come to Mm -hmm. come to the trop often. The last one I can remember was the Red Sox, um, maybe two years ago. Uh, Dodgers come into town again, like a 2020 world series rematch, you know, some, some top, top tier talent in terms of, you've got like Randy Rosarena, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Glass now, like some household baseball names. I don't know. I don't think we're scheduled for Sunday Night Baseball, though, are we? We are not, but we are scheduled for prime for a uh, not prime time, but a it is uh, the Peacock 
Sunday morning game of the, I don't know what they're calling That'll it. That'll be the real Sunday early for you. Morning, it's going to be very early for me. I got up today at 8.30 a.m. to watch the Yankees play the Reds because it was the first game on and why not? But yeah, it'll be eight. Uh, I don't know what time it is, but they, they're already showing the highlights and they put together a really cool package. So uh, I think it's a Peacock exclusive. Um, but, you know, I guess probably ask your parents or ask uh, if anybody in your life or you are a fan of Bravo, you probably have Peacock uh, to watch like uncensored um, uh, Vanderpump rules uh, stuff. So yeah, that's, that's probably why uh, find them. And then they also have both uh, English premier league soccer and Sunday morning baseball, but so they are getting a, I guess a highlight spot. They are getting a um, national uh, game in, in a way, a national streaming game, I guess. Yeah. So that is, that is cool. That is something worth, I mean, it's worth highlighting. I mean, you look at the highlight package between them and you're like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, two of the best teams and best franchises over the last several years. They fought, you know, they, they went to the, the world series. Uh, they are both like some of the class organizations in, in the sport. So and right now, you know, the Rays are the best team in, in all of baseball and the Dodgers are pretty darn good. They're always good. And so you have a really fun, interesting matchup there. And uh, yeah, it should be national attention. I uh, I would love, and I know it's going to be, you know, you're a West Coast person. So 1130 or 1140 start time is going to be 830, 840, whatever it is exactly. Mm-hmm. I would love more like when the Peacock game was first announced, I think two or three seasons ago. Um, I thought it was going to be like 10 a.m. start and I was all over that. I would like, I'm all for morning baseball, right? I got I watch soccer in the mornings on the weekends. I watch golf. If there's a big golf tournament like this weekend, I would love one or two games a week that start at just 10 a.m. You know, I'm still sipping on that first coffee on a Saturday or Sunday morning and I can enjoy a baseball game. 1130. Okay. That's you know, a little, you know, that's a little just too regular for me. Like one o'clock is right around the corner. That's when the rest of the games start. But any earlier for me would be a lot earlier for Darby and his friends yes. out on the West Coast. Let's dig back into uh, where this starting rotation is at. And one more question I have for you on Tyler Glass now. We know what we can expect in terms of stuff, in terms of how electric he is on the mound. And he's had really just incredible results his entire time with the Rays. The biggest question with him is health. Can he stay healthy? He hasn't thrown over 100 innings in a single big league season since the year he was traded to the Rays. Um, And remember, Pittsburgh was using him as a reliever. He made 34 relief appearances for the Pirates that season and 11 starts for the Rays. Since then, and I know 2020, he made 11 starts in a shortened season, but he hasn't thrown over 100 innings in a season. He's joining the rotation at the tail end of May. What's What number of innings should we look for, should we expect from Tyler Glass now? I think I'd have to math it out, but I think they're going to probably, I think if you can get to 110, 115, I think you're pretty happy. Um, I think you're going to try to want to see regular season innings. Uh, and then I think, you know, kind of full unleash in, in the postseason. But I think you're going to try to look to see two months in, he'll have all of June 
uh, July, August, September. So four months, probably about four starts a month. Eight, 16 times five. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at if you're, I think the big key is you're looking at probably five to six innings a start. I think you're going to still look at it like, you know, 85 pitches a start, roughly. These are not like, you know, firm numbers. And then you're going to look at, yeah, that probably no more than like seven ups and downs um, per regular season start. There could be an, uh, all, you know, I think Cash has shown that he will sometimes be a little flexible with that. He's let Rasmussen try to go for like the the perfecto a, a year ago. Um so I think there is some flexibility, but I think you're still going to look at probably 85 pitches, no more than seven ups, and that's what, and then what what we're going to get from there. And yeah. I, and I think that's a good plan. I think there's not like a firm like we need to get to 120 innings or not. We need to get to 90 innings. I think it's more just not breaking those individual game like lines, like not more than 100, you know, and 10 pitches in any single start. Not more, not going up eight, nine times, uh, getting up and down, up and down. You're not getting those like extended uh, absences during a game. Like if the offense like puts up a ton of runs and he's like sitting for 35 minutes, maybe then you go, okay, that's probably enough. I think the Rays are really cautious of those type of things. And I think that's going to dictate more than a final innings number. I agree. Um, in terms of going deep into games, it'll a lot of it will depend on game state how efficient he's been, how has he worked a lot along at bat that might be more taxing on his arm and his body. Um, so yeah, if we can get to triple digits, if we can get to a hundred and he's healthy come October, mission accomplished. Um, and he's going into his um, next year is the last year of his contract, right? Correct. So there's an option year for 25 million for next year. Gotcha. So big year for him, big year for the Rays. Um, but just excited to have him back in the rotation. So once he rejoins, um, I, I, I'll i give Shane McClanahan the credit. Like he is the number one right now for this mm-hmm. stat, um, with Cla- But like, I mean, they're two of the best, two all, you know, if they're healthy perennial all-star contenders. Um, McClanahan, mm-hmm. Glass now, Zach Eflin, the largest free agent signing in franchise history. Uh, Josh Fleming and Taj Bradley is your rotation, yes. which given the fact that, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, and Shane Boz are all on the injured list. The fact mm-hmm. that that is still your five-man rotation while you have Yanni Chirinos in AAA, Luis Patino in AAA, but as a reliever, maybe we should touch on that mm-hmm. here in a second. Um, but you can still throw out those five in a starting rotation, and we've been so upset with all the injuries. Glass now was on that list, and he will be until Friday. Man, that's... That's still a really good starting rotation. It's a it's a great starting rotation. I mean, there's a lot of teams that would absolutely kill for that type of rotation. Um, Taj has been a revelation. He has come up and he's looked extremely mature, extremely poised and, and, and composed and just loving his attacking of the strike zone um the stuff is obviously great but i love that he you know with a lot of young pitchers especially and this was a problem that tyler glasnow had for for a while which was just sort of maybe not fully trusting that stuff and kind of 
suddenly, and we saw this with Blake Snell a ton, which is suddenly you're like, oh, why are you not throwing strikes? Your stuff is better than most hitters can hit. Mm-hmm. Don't let him off the hook by suddenly getting into bad counts and, and giving up free bases. Taj really tends to just seemingly not let people get comfortable and get to like a nice like ooh two one three one now he's gonna have to throw a fastball and, and then you know you get like a, a bit of an edge to the the hitter at that point he, he's like kind of coming at the zone and it's super uncomfortable because suddenly now you you are on you know you're you're now having to defend against potentially his like change up which is shown to be a little uh of a weapon and he's as a curveball which you have to respect uh, to go with the really awesome fastball slider combo that he has. Um, I think, you know, Fleming is another guy. He's he's kind of one of the most, uh, I guess, like, it's the least sexy of the options for sure. Like there's, you know, but that's a very valuable position. And, and he's a guy that's had some struggles. He's had his ups and downs with the team, but the team has definitely, they see a, a potential in there. And he's he's shown the last few starts have been really, top tier he's been throwing strikes when he can throw strikes when he actually again attacks his own it doesn't sort of nibble he can generate a lot of uh ground balls this is a very good infield defense behind him and that's super valuable uh but i think really it's the it's that depth right you have guys like taj that can step up top you know as a top tier guy he can fill the gap before uh glasnow returns and now that glasnow's back you just push everybody down uh, another little line which is which is really nice. Like you you now have like Josh Fleming not needed as like your top guy, but he's just a back of the rotation guy. Hopefully eat some innings. You have Yanni Chirinos that can come up and fill a fill a role. And then you also got some interesting guys in AAA like Elvin Rodriguez, who we've talked about, who who's probably gonna pop up here at some point and actually be quite quite useful, I think. He has some really nice potential there. So um it's a it's it's shocking that you can lose, especially somebody like Jeffrey Springs to Drew, Drew Rasmussen, who'd be num- like locked in number twos with most teams. And Springs, who we were talking about, he was pitching better than Shane McClanahan was early in this season. Uh, that's a huge loss. I mean, you're looking even around the division. Uh, the Yankees have been beset with injuries, and they are really struggling in their pitching rotation outside of the guys that you really count on, like Cole, Nestor, uh, Luis Severino just came back today, but he's been off and on injured. And they've been having to get, you know, guys like Clark Schmidt, who, you know, he's, I guess, a better linebacker than he is a pitcher. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and another and, guy and, who was accused of maybe some sticky stuff. And... Yeah. I mean, who knows how good these guys could be if their hands weren't just like, like Winnie the Pooh in the <laughs> fucking honey pot, honey pot here. Uh, I don't know what's going on back there. Domingo Herman, the stickiest hand I've ever felt. The stickiest hand in regards to sticky. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, but you know that that's what that's what you do have when you oftentimes miss, like you know Carlos Rodon and Luis Severino. Is you're you're stuck with like here, kid, go out there and here's here's a bunch of like glue on your hand and hope for the best. Give me five innings. The Rays aren't in that situation. So I think we are really happy for that, but you do need, you know, a guy like Glassnote really helps because you need some of those like really top tier guys. You, you don't have a ton of those in depth, but you do have guys that can fill the back of the rotation. And that suddenly becomes easier when 
Josh Fleming has moved down in the rotation. Yanni Trinos has moved to like the sixth uh, spot. Uh, and you can now have those spot starts and become a little bit more comfortable with that because you know you have like tomorrow a glass now and then the next day a Shane and then the next day a Nephilim. Assuming health for all the current guys and no major setbacks for Drew Rasmussen, you would not entertain trading for a starting pitcher at any point, would you? I think you always are looking. I think the bar, though, is is like Zach Eflin. Mm. If you're trading for a guy, I think we, we've talked about this in the past on the Slack where it's the I think we call it like the Drew Rasmussen line which is like, if you're going to add a starter, they have to be as good or better. Otherwise just keep stuff internally. Like don't, well, don't trade for a, a Josh Fleming replacement. Right. Spend but higher it, to get better or, or just keep your eyes in house. I think mid season that probably changes though, because I, I think we're at a point now with the, the rotation where again, if everybody stays healthy, you don't want to give up the prospect capital to get above the, the, the Eflin line. If that's where it's set, like that's why this year it's just anybody who's as good as Eflin or better is going to take uh, a Mead or a Manzardo uh, in July. And, and that's the thing, right? Is I think you, I think I entertain it. I don't think mm, I okay. pull the trigger on it. Yeah, no, I think you look and you, you see what you also price enforce. You say okay. like, well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm offering. Uh, I'm going to make sure that other teams don't get this guy for a steal, but like at the very least, here's a pretty, and I think the Rays can offer packages of, of bulk and quantity that, that beat a lot of teams, you know, their, their farm system is still extremely well stocked. So they can add a few guys that are really good. A lot of teams aren't going to want that. I think, I think when you look at the Rays, if you're coming away from a trade of your top trade piece and you aren't getting Mead, Manzardo or Caminero, you're probably going to be kicking yourself and annoyed, which is annoying because that's those three guys are better than a lot of other teams, like top five prospects. So it's not really equal, but it still is going to be the ask. So I, I don't see the Rays trading for a starter. I know there was some, there was some uh, rumors of like Chris Flexen as an option. That's, I, I think he's fine. I think that's more of a Josh Fleming type. Like if glass now was down for the, for like the season, yeah, and we're dealing with this like what they're throwing today out there is Cooper Criswell. Um, yeah, right. You, uh, Chris Flexen would be a much better option than Cooper Criswell, obviously. But like that's long term. That's that's like great class in case of emergency because you know that you're not trading Mead or Manzardo for that. You're trading, you know, somebody a little bit more on the fringe. Um, I don't know. I, I think trading for a starting pitcher is on the table for sure with how many injuries they've had, especially if, if Rasmussen uh, is indeed going to have to do surgery uh, eventually, um, then that puts him out for all this year and into next. I think you could see the team look for an option that's controllable. That's maybe somebody that's an option for just not just this year, but next year. Um, but I, I agree with you. I don't see it as like, I, I don't see this as a team that's going to be taking a mead at Manzardo or Caminero to, to upgrade. I don't think they're going to use those pieces to trade for a huge piece like a Luis Castillo deal like last year, because I think the real key is if they have their guys, they, they, they already have a pretty stocked postseason rotation again, if healthy. 
everything changes in two months, you know, by the trade deadline, if there's some huge injuries, but this year we have seen, this is not just a raise thing. This has been a epidemic around the league. And I think we, you know, it's too small a sample to say the pitch clock is the cause, but the pitch clock's a new thing and pitchers are dropping like flies all over the place. Robbie Ray, uh, or Cy Young winner hurt. We've seen glass now, uh, in, in spring training, injured the oblique. We've seen a bunch of oblique injuries around the league too, and as well as arm injuries. So I don't know. We don't, we, we, this is not going to be, the Rays are not in a um, exclusive club here. So if they're struggling for pitching and looking to upgrade, everybody else is too. And that just re- means the cost goes up higher and higher. I, I will be interested to see like if we get some more data on how the pitch clock is impacting injuries. I as the season has gone on, I, I think there's just too many issues or potential issues with it. I talked about this with Jamal a couple of weeks ago. One, I am so afraid to see a big time game in September or a postseason game have be heavily impacted by a pitch clock violation in year one of its implementation. Um, Like uh, in this Brewer series, we saw Jesse Winker get hit with a violation. Even when Kyle Snyder is on the field, getting ready to go have a mound visit and he gets dinged. And it's like all these things that you're, you've accustomed your body and your brain to do playing the game of baseball. Oh, there's the other team's pitching coach. I'm, I don't have to step into the box right now. We're about to have a mound visit. And then, boom, you get hit with it. Like, there's so many things that need to be ironed out that, I, I don't know, I guess we, they're just going to have to learn, and hopefully they learn fast. And and I think we have seen not, like, a ton of violations or super impactful violations. So I do think in terms of, like, the way that it's been implemented, I think people are 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 doing you know the right thing. They're they're getting in the box. They're you know there's been a few. The the thing is we can pinpoint the times that it's happened because they have been so few. Um, so I think people are learning, but there is still some real funky stuff with it where you know catcher has to be set by nine seconds, batter has to be in in the box facing the pitcher by eight seconds, pitcher has to be on the mound. And throwing the ball by zero seconds. But there's and no time where the pitcher to has like, to be ready, right? Is there a time where the nope, pitcher has to be I, on the rubber? The pitcher has to throw the ball by zero seconds. He can be out in the outfield, sitting down, meditating up until like three, sprint, get set and throw. As long as he's not balking, then that's fine. And so for a hitter, they have to get accustomed to, because there, there was a lot of talk, the Brewers... Um, uh, announcers, their their uh, uh, TV guys were talking about like Ryan Thompson wasn't even on the mound. That doesn't matter. That's a that's a completely which I think is stupid too. <laughs> like, well, why well, do I have to be it, ready it if is. you're not ready? <laughs> so this this part, I I did I did like kind of talk about this and like bring this up on Twitter, and people did make make a good point that there is like a player safety wise. So the batter part is there because basically it's player safety. Is the batter is the person that could die if the pitcher fires a fastball without him being aware. So the pitcher has to have some pace, but really it's the batter being ready 
because safely wise, like if they're not ready, if the catcher's not ready, the umpire's not ready, then like those are the people that could be in like severe, like physical threat. So I get that. It's just, it is a little silly because it's like, and, and I think this is also where it's tough because it's sort of a, um, it's again, it's more up for the umpire's discretion. So it's like, you're in the box, you're like sad, but you're kind of like, you know, not looking at the pitcher yet, right. but you're like kind of almost ready. And it's like eight seconds and it's like, oh, you're not like looking at him right there. Well, ding him. That's what happened in the Yankee series against the Rays where that umpire was kind of going, that whole crew had one of the worst week like series I've ever seen from an um, umpire crew. Absolute um show on both sides, actually. I mean, I think like there was some absolute disastrous performances from them, but like there was some really terrible stuff there where it's like Wander gets uh, a strike three and he's in the box, but he's maybe not looking right at eight seconds, but he calls him right at eight seconds and he's looking up at like seven. And that's like, are we, that's not what we're coming to the, you know, that's not what we're tuning in for. But I do think the rules as a framework work, and I think people are learning them. I just, I think everything's a little too fast. Just like a little too fast. We really are trying, like the rules are there to get like the, uh, you know, Joel Peralta's of the world and the yeah. like uh, Pedro Baez of the world who take like three minutes between pitches. Um, like, you you know, or James Karinczak, who's like, you know, just going through like crazy motions and like, just like we're trying to pick up the pace of them. Most players like 90% are in position. They're ready to hit. They're ready to pitch way faster than, than the pitch clock. So I think if you just had like a little bit, you know, it's, it's an adjustment period. And I also agree. I don't want it to happen in the postseason. but. Do you think an umpire, if Shohei Otani is on the mound and his buzzer goes off, like he's going to call a pitch clock violation in like a do or die game with the game's biggest star on like, cause that, that has to be the last thing that major league baseball wants. I do wonder if there's going to be a um, discussion with the umpires, but at the same the time, postseason. it's all on the screen. If I'm, you know, the Rays play, say they play the angels in the, in the postseason, and Shohei Otani gets a couple mm-hmm. extra seconds, but Ryan Thompson gets dinged as soon as the buzzer goes off. I have an issue with that too. That's why like the pitch clock, it, it feels so again, I think it was, it, I won't say needed. I'm appreciating the pace of play, the, the improvements in the in the pace of play. Mm-hmm. It feels so antithetical to like what baseball has always been. And it's the game with no clock. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't, I just, doesn't sit right with me. I haven't figured it out. I don't know if I'll ever have like a, a clean cut opinion on it. I think it'll, it's really going to take some time. It's really going to take some time to adjust to it. And I do hope that there's some, I I think tweaks as they go, as I think, I think it should be something that evolves. You, You get a sense. Is it too fast? If the postseason, like, do we need this a little bit more time? I don't think, I don't think in the postseason you should have different rules. I just think during the regular season, it should be like, think of it like the postseason rules where maybe let's give a little bit more, like let's not try to call balls or strikes. Like let's give, it's sort of like the, uh, the, the uh, play clock in football. It like hits zero and then you go. Right. Okay. Now it's a violation. But when it hits zero, like certain quarterbacks get that extra second. 
Brady, Rogers. All of the quarterbacks should get that extra second and right. all of baseball. I think that's my that's my thing is that like I would rather it be enforce the rules when people are pushing the boundaries. Don't enforce the rules because it's like don't be ticky tack with it. Right. Like if I'm a pitcher and I'm like, you can tell I'm just about ready to throw. Like, okay, okay, we're good. He's gonna throw the pitch. Let's play baseball. Yeah. He's still but like, at the same time, like, like around at like three seconds and then like, you know, getting know. there and it's so great it's, because if I'm the batter and I see that clock ticking down, I, I can now time my load up and my swing because I know he's about to start his delivery. And then if he gets that extra second and I can I might, maybe I relax for a split second thinking I'm going to get an automatic ball and then boom, 99 right by me. Like you've got to call it. Sure, but are are our batters looking at the? They should not be looking at the pitch clock as it gets down to a few seconds. I feel like you want to be focused. Then I don't know. I mean, we can't all be Aaron Judge and be able to like see all sides of the field (laughs) at all times. (laughs) Let's let's transition to back to the Rays uh, and the Rays bullpen because it has again when you win as many games as the Rays have been. I know they've slowed down over the last week and a half or so. Uh, it's hard to find things to complain about, um, but everybody can improve their bullpen, right? Like, there's no team that's had a bullpen and like, ah, I wouldn't replace any of these eight guys for anyone else in baseball. Like, everybody always wants to get the next best reliever. However, I do think the Rays are at an interesting point in the season with their bullpen and may need to start planning for how they want to improve on that bullpen throughout the year. So, Darby, I'm just going to run through the current bullpen and I'm going to leave Cooper Criswell off because I'm including him as like, I mean, he's going to be replaced by class now. Yeah. yeah. He, he might get optioned. He, he, he will get optioned. Option He'll be optioned tomorrow for a, a, for a fresh reliever. And oh, then Zach, Zach Birdie, can we bring him back up? I don't know. Not yet, but yeah, no, yeah, it'll be, it'll be somebody that has an option or maybe not. And then just yeah. that person will probably go for glass now. Just to, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chris Wells, you know, he's just there for right now. We've got Zach Little, Jake mm-hmm. Diekman, Trevor Kelly, Kevin Kelly, who was the Rule 5 uh, selection, Jalen mm-hmm. Beeks, Colin Poche, then Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks. Who, Jason Adam, Pete Fairbanks, like, haven't been as locked down Responsible for a couple of blown saves themselves. Right. Yeah. Adam Adam has been, like, he's looked a lot less confident. So let's start there. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got because, two guys that are not leaving this pen at any point this right, season. Yeah. Right. But Adam's, maybe his role is up for grabs as the season goes on. But, but potential. I would hope, I would hope there's somebody that could, that could, try to grab that position. But right now I think his position is very safe because I mean, I still trust him more than Kevin Kelly, everybody else in the pen. Yes. Everybody else that's not named Pete Fairbanks. I trust Jason Adams second most, even, even with him serving up one pitch that is sent so loud and so far, sometimes foul, sometimes just short at dead center field from Aaron judge, which Mm -hmm. Jason Adam had the expression that I think everybody had Yankees Rays, everybody watching. How did that not go out? That seemed like a perfect game tying home run serve, but it didn't too high. Who knows? Uh, 
as well as a couple of big home runs that he served up as well. I, I think for him, he's been in a little bit of a, a he's been overworked, I think is a big thing. And not, not overall in the whole season. I think he's, his usage has been pretty normal. I think lately he's been used quite a bit. And when you put a guy in to hyper high leverage every single time, you're going to miss a spot here and there. And all it takes is one to basically end a game or blow a save. So it's different. Like he comes in, nobody on four run lead, three run lead gives up a home run, you know, whatever that's, that's like, that happens. It's been like, he's coming in in a one run game or it's been a two run game and he like walks a guy and then gives up the pitch. It's so it's been some bad sequencing. It's been some bad stuff. I overall, the stuff numbers are identical to last year. Overall, I don't worry too much about Jason Adam. Lately, it has been a bit of a roller coaster, but I do wonder how much of that is just, you know, a lot of pressure on him, been a been a a lot of work put on to him. And so maybe that's you know, maybe just stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not worried about him. Are we worried? How worried are we about Pete Fairbanks and his inability to pitch under 70 degrees? Uh, I mean, I guess I'd be worried in the postseason, which is the first time we we experienced this. Like when you play half your home games in the trop, you're like, okay, that's great. But you know, when you're on the road and playing the Yankees in the postseason in October, yeah, I or, think Cleveland. I'm or Cleveland. I mean, so that was an interesting thing, right? We did not really know about this last year, but Pete Fairbanks came into that really long extra inning game, wasn't sharp, and then had to get pulled early, and we were like, oh, is that? that's not good like this and and the season ended that day for the Rays. So we didn't really have a chance to like worry about it for that much, but neither did the Rays apparently, but the Rays didn't either. Well, I, I think it's because they, when this, um, uh, when the kind of the diagnosis, when, when it was revealed, like he had to get pulled the last time and we were like, Oh, this is terrible. Like this, like when a pitcher has to leave like that and he's like, you know, looking at his fingers you're, that's what happened with Springs. So you're like thinking the worst, but then they were like, oh, it's actually no big deal. We know that he has this disorder. It's a known issue. We're trying to figure it out ways like around it, but like, this is not a big deal. This is not a surgery thing. This is not like a, like a big arm injury thing. It's just like a thing that he has to deal with. So that's interesting. That makes me think that like in the postseason, why they weren't really concerned was that it just flared up potentially against Cleveland and that's why they there wasn't this big like what's going on with his arm and we just didn't know about that until this year when it came up again and they finally like were saying like oh he has this um disorder I I don't know how uh I I am not a doctor and I will never pretend to be and I don't know how you would be able to fix it uh or find a way to alleviate it um I don't know if it's some something where you can use like hot hands and like those like uh, you know quarterback uh, um, like a uh, little pouch thing uh, in between, or if that's like an overarching like it starts in the middle of the day, wakes up, it's cold, and that's just going to be something that happens. Um, but it definitely would be something that I would want to figure out before going into the Bronx or Boston or I guess Toronto. Sometimes it's climate controlled, um, but uh, Baltimore, 
another one, Minnesota. Uh, like there's a lot of cold weather teams that you might face in the postseason. Well, you hope it's not something that like they forget about because Pete right now is like, oh yeah, it feels great. Yeah, it's summer, Pete. It's it's warm out. And so I hope it's just need to hurry up with climate change. We just need in like the rays are set up for 10 to 20 years down the line when we're our whole planet is a a just boiling hellscape of five degrees. And Pete Fairbanks is like, this is great. Minnesota in October. It's 90. I love it. Half the world's bird population is dead, but my my trip is top tier. I have full command. I don't know. I still think I'm worried about his arm health. I think I'm worried about anybody's arm health that can throw that hard and looks like oh, yeah. he does. Um, but as someone who's had elbow pain, you know, sometimes the your your arm from your elbow down gets a little numb. You might lose a little feeling in your finger. <coughs> or maybe you feel something else in your wrist, like he felt, and that's what put him on the IL. So... I don't know. Like, I'm just nervous. I don't know if I'm any more nervous than I normally would be with him or any of our high leverage relievers that throw like that. Always. I'm always nervous about reliever health. Always. Well, relievers historically, except for very few, and I'll give Kenley Jansen credit. He just hit his 400th Mm -hmm. save. Relievers, even though they throw less innings, they're not known for their uh, longevity. Mm -mm. Um being dominant for several seasons is really difficult as a reliever. Pete Fairbanks has kind of had his time in the sun. I hope it can continue for at least this season next year, as long as he can continue pitching like that. But after him, like we said, we've got Jason Adam. Okay. In a world where Pete Fairbanks and Jason Adam are unavailable, given this current bullpen, who are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you going to in a one-run game in the middle of the order coming up in the in the late innings of a postseason game? Uh it's I have to play matchups, right? You have to be like right now with this pen as assembled. There's nobody I feel confident about. I think if there's lefties, you maybe go with Poche. I think if it's I think with a lefty, I mean, I do think somebody like a, a Jake Diekman, I think right now is maybe not there, but like he's still somebody that against a lefty is an extremely tough matchup. I think somebody like Kevin Kelly has actually shown some flashes, but like he's also had some command issues and he's also very young. I, I think the thing is right now, there is not a single person in this pen besides Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks that I trust with a one run lead. I think there's guys that I think are going to have to be used. And I think guys that have succeeded who have, who have done well and have had good games, but there's nobody that I'm like, mm. no worries. Got it. Like, good so luck. It's judge, it's judge Rizzo LeMahieu coming up in the ninth in a one run game. McClanahan gave you eight innings, but he's just out of gas. Who do you go with? And it's today with the pen currently assembled. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow is Game Seven of the World Series, or not the World Series, the American League Championship. Okay, if it's tomorrow is the World Series, I'm I'm turning to to Eric <laughs> and Peter and saying, "What the hell? How is this the bullpen <laughs> in the postseason?" Okay, we'll um, get to that in a second. How they can improve it, but I am yeah. curious. Like, no, I, I I'm I'm probably if it is a postseason game, I'm legitimately going to. Uh, 
like a, a Taj Bradley. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. That that's, that's where it's at. Like if I'm going, if it's, it's in the postseason, I'm going to, which I guess is allowable. Taj Bradley. I'll, I'll yeah. allow that because the postseason rotation during the regular season, I'm, I'm it, if it's, it's judge, I'm worried about most. So I'm going to a righty. So it's going to be like Kelly or, or little, and I'm just going to hold my breath. I mean, if I, mean, I, if I, can't I would go probably go Ryan Thompson. Like I'd probably call him back up if we don't have, he's Kevin. not here. He's not here. We're talking right now. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 a, so that's, a, that's the problem, right? Is there is nobody at this current moment that we would trust in a close game, like to be like, this is what we want. It's, it's just, here's, here's the best option for this moment right now, but not a great option. So that comes to our main topic today, which is what everybody's been talking about, which is like, how do you fix it? Everyone's shouting, fix it, but nobody's shouting like, how fill in the blank. So, uh, trades, trades, everyone's, everyone just says trade and like with no follow-up. Uh, okay. So trade our bad players for their good players. Yes. Who's the worst player we have? Trade him for a great cost-controlled multi-year reliever that everybody or, loves. Or just trade Brandon Lau for a decent reliever. Not even a good one. A decent yeah. reliever. It was, was the the two, my, two favorite, my two favorite branches of Ray's Twitter, which are like package uh, Jonathan Aranda for <laughs> Liam Hendricks uh, or trade Brandon Lau for like, like Justin Topa. It's like, <laughs> what? We have like two... Very much like, okay, like a fa- a fine seventh inning guy for one of the best power hitting second basemen in the last like 20, 30 years or trade a auxiliary piece for like an all-star closer. Yeah. Uh, so none of those things are happening. So we can, we can erase that. Um, Alexis Diaz, is co- his name has come up a lot. Brother of Edwin Diaz, closer of the Reds, a team that is not really in contention, although they are not out of contention yet. Um, they are a, it's an option for sure. But guess what? Alexis Diaz is probably the biggest name, best available player, and somebody that is going to be around that absolutely should garner a humongous amount of attention from everybody like everybody wants to improve their bullpen so everybody's going to contact um everybody's going to contact the reds about it the reds are notoriously one of the most difficult teams to trade with because they ask for the moon and they are absolutely going to trade alexis diaz for a huge haul or they're just going to keep them because they still have them cost controlled for four years and they are going to compete eventually so I don't think that's a realistic option. No big trade is a realistic option right now in May. Yeah. Yeah. Although a year ago today or two years ago today, the Rays did trade uh, for two pretty good relievers. One of them turned starter Drew Rasmussen. The other one, JP Fire Eisen for, it took Willie Adamas, who was like an MVP candidate with the Brewers. Like it wasn't, I know that trade was seen as like clearing space for Wander Franco, but let's not forget that at one point in time, Willie Adamas was a highly prized prospect as well. And it's now turned into just a really good big leaguer, like everyday player. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not easy to get those guys. The other thing I wanted to bring up, um, because I think the last two years, 
we start to see these teams who are in the rebuilding stage. Uh, and you, the first thing you do, I think, when you, when you see a team in the rebuilding stage that is getting close, I think it's happened with the Rays a couple of different times. Um, you look at their bullpen and you think, wow, that's a really interesting bullpen. Like if you put that bullpen, if you gave that bullpen to a team with a great lineup and some good starting pitchers, like that's a, a bullpen that could, could have a lot of success in the postseason. The first one, and we noticed it last year, very early on in that opening series, the Baltimore Orioles. Um, mm-hmm. Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, uh, Yenier Cano has been the best reliever in baseball. Uh, the Texas Rangers was the other team um, that caught my eye. Uh, Josh Spores or Soar. I don't know if it's a silent B or not. I think it's Spores. Um, but he's... <sighs> been really good um john king is a lefty brock burke jose leclerc leclerc he's still around there they got will smith now uh, both of those teams are now uh they have the next best records in the league after the Rays. um the, the orioles are sitting at 30 and 16 just an incredible start for them so you're not getting any of those guys no pittsburgh's another one that's had some interesting arms in their bullpen for a few years david bednar one of the best relievers in baseball right now they think they're in it. Like the question is, which bullpens are you trying to go into and, and find the next member of the stable, especially in May? That's the that and that's the tricky part, especially because you know, with the extra wild card spot, you really are not getting you're not getting teams that are saying, like, we're done this early. And the teams that are generally have really bad players. So there's, you know, I, I'd say right now, if I'm looking at teams that are just not competing, that has pieces that I would be intrigued by, um, would be like uh, the Kansas City Royals. They have several relievers. I know people have talked about Araldis Chapman, but I don't really care about him. Uh, I I think both Josh Stomont yeah. um, and, um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on it, Scott Barlow. Scott Barlow are the two guys that I I think have both of kind of like Barlow's kind of taken a little step back this year, but he has great stuff. And Stomont has electric stuff, you know, kind of iffy command. Two guys that I think, again, though, like the Rays are would be interested in, but they're not exactly going to be cheap. They're they're still like useful options that like absolutely are going to cost quite a bit. But I think those are more attainable mm-hmm. than trading for like a Liam Hendricks on a White Sox team that are sinking fast but i don't think they're going to be ready to pull the plug and if you look around like the angels have some nice options it'd be kind of fun to see a reunion with like matt moore uh but like they're not gonna just pull the plug in may (laughs) they have the two like best players in baseball and they should be competing right now so uh yeah it's it's really tricky i think from a trade perspective what i do think the rays should keep doing though and how I think I would want to fix it is what they have been doing, which is Jake Diekman gets DFA'd. Go get Jake Diekman. Go get Jake Diekman and bring him in and try him out for, you know, 30 days and see where you're at. Uh, Zach Little is a is another interesting guy. You, you like what you see, bring him in for a little bit. Uh, a guy like Ryan Tapera just got cleared waivers. Maybe you if, you, if you like what's under the hood, bring him in, try him out for a little bit. If he doesn't, dump them doesn't matter i think this is the time of year and it's very tough to watch because right now there's there's more questions than answers but i think it is the good time of year to basically 
shuffle through guys and audition for roles. Is Kevin Kelly a guy that can stick all year? Is he a guy that you want in the seventh, eighth, and ninth? Is Jake Diekman somebody that you can get some command back and bring him back to being a top level reliever like he was not too long ago? I think you're going to see guys like a Ben Heller come up. You're going to see guys like maybe Luis Patino get a chance. And I think that is the way to kind of shuffle through your options and sort of audition guys. See who can sink, see who can swim. That's how you find your, your Jason Adams. That's how you find your Joaquin Benoit's. It's how you find your Fernando Rodney's is you don't get a guy that's, you know, at that level. Um, you get a guy that could be at that level. We'll see, put them into the role and see if they can keep rising up the ranks. Uh, I think, you know, when you when you do that, though, you're going to have some growing pains and the Rays have done is that you're not going to have a, a ton of elite guys, but you won't know that until you kind of try. Yeah, I, um, I, I think they will go after. We'll see what the market looks like, but a veteran reliever like a Liam Hendricks. Or maybe I know the ERA hasn't been good so far this season. Maybe this is the year Craig Kimbrell finally ends up with the Rays. Uh, and not to say that like they're going to yeah. be brought in. Maybe Hendricks would. I don't know. Kimbrell wouldn't be brought in to be the closer. Like Fairbanks is better than Kimbrell right now. Um, but that veteran presence that the Rays do value, um, even in the bullpen, um, there's a few guys that, feel like the ones that got away really the one right now and i'm so happy for him jose alvarado and it took a few years so like the race mm -hmm. traded him like three years ago so i didn't want to wait three years for this type of season to come together but in philly he's having the season that we all i think thought he was capable of the, the stuff was always there for it yeah and and now he is just he's given up i think just like one run on the season so far um, and has just, I don't think he's walked a batter either, which was the big, that's thing. the thing. Yeah. With Jose Alvarado. Um, yeah. Zero walks this year. He had a, he still has a career 13% walk rate and he's only thrown 14 innings, but no walks to those 14 innings. He looks incredible. Nick Anderson is having, um, a really good bounce back season with Atlanta. Um, again, you're not going to just hit you know about a thousand with these guys evan phillips who you had for like i think a game is one of mm -hmm. the back end guys for the dodgers um i don't know yeah maybe griffin jacks with minnesota would be an interesting arm to target like but minnesota's leading their their league right because their, their division their, their division yeah it's terrible so like who they're, they're they're the sixth they're sixth place in the al east but they are leading their division right now um Maybe John Brebbia with, with San Francisco. I do think there are some interesting options that will be available. So I think when I say like there's not a trade right now, I don't think there's any guys that you go out and pay the premium to get right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you maybe check in, you see what the price is and, and make sure that they're on the radar. I think now is the time for shuffling through DFAs. We're into DFA season. So you shuffle through interesting arms there. You see what you got. You see what you got internally. You see what you got on the market. Some guys that didn't work out in another place that you think, hey, that actually, that could probably work out here. But I do think once we do get into July or late June, I do see the Rays as a team that will make some trades. I don't know if they're going to go after the top tier name, but I, I, I'm not sure even if like they go after Kimbrel. But I do think they are going to add 
Like I could see us doing the, the Rays doing this move of like your Sergio Romo types. These guys that are good seventh inning guys who can play in any role because sometimes the seventh inning is the most important inning. And that's when you use Jason Adam or Pete Fairbanks. The ninth is the bottom of the order, but you still want a guy that you kind of trust. So I think in, increasing the depth below Adam and Pete will allow those guys to perform better and the bullpen as a whole to perform better. So I think right now you shuffle through your DFAs. Next up comes trades, but set the sights, I think, on a different thing. I don't think you're going to trade Curtis Mead for Alexis Diaz and say, like, we got our closer of the future, because that is not a position that you want to be locked in for for years. It's a position that is important, but Curtis Mead can get you a lot of options. Yeah. And you'd rather trade Nick Solak for your closer of the future instead of Curtis. And, and that's the, that's exactly the type of trade though. I do. I think you do have a guy, you have a Nick Solak on the roster and his name is Jonathan Aranda. Who's a all bat, very talented bat, not great glove guy who could potentially bring you an interesting, but underperforming arm. So like Nick Solak for Pete Fairbanks is the type of trades I could see them doing more so than the, um, I guess, Jesus Sanchez for Nick Anderson trade when he was with Miami. I, I'm not sure I see the Rays going that way, but they have the pieces, they have the weapons to do that. Um, we'll see. I, I do think though, right now we are stuck with a shuttle yeah. of, of, of arms but I think that's where all of these wins, these banked wins really help because they they allow you to experiment. They allow you to have the option to potentially find an Evan Phillips because you can shuffle through arms. When you look at a team like the Dodgers, you don't see a team that is built by signing big free agent relievers or trading for top tier relievers. Mm -hmm. You see them as a team that's built on assemblage of really good stuff arms and finding the roles and seeing who can survive and who might sink. So if the Rays were to look into like Oakland's bullpen, which I don't know if there's anybody worth, and I also don't know if their front office is interested in making any trades. That franchise seems like it's set on just kind of fading into the sunset until they pop up again in Las Vegas. Um, Kansas City, you mentioned Josh Stamont. You've also got Scott Barlow, who's their closer. Uh, Taylor Clark, Josh Taylor, some interesting names there. All just Chapman, Amir Garrett, two more, uh, you know, veteran lefties. The way those front offices and the type of players they target in the past, and I don't know without, um, what was Kansas City's GM? Dayton Moore? Dayton Moore, yeah. Um, the type of players that he would go after are very versatile defensive players. He liked speed. Oakland got a lot of speedsters still. I don't know. You start maybe offering up Vidal Brujan, Greg Jones, Oslavis Basabe, guys that You're don't really just trying to a... offload Greg Jones. You're just like, hey, have you heard of Greg Jones? I would love to sneak him into a trade because, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I get why we did it, but I'm still like, why does he need to be on the 40-man roster right now? Um, just doesn't feel like a, a player that will ever be viable at the big league level. Maybe he could be a role player on a bad team like Oakland or Kansas City. 
Um, but and 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 it's hard to see. Yeah, they're like you're right though. Their evaluations are interesting. So they might value a guy like Greg Jones and his speed a lot more valuable than us. And, and why they are in last place? <laughs> oh man, harsh, harsh. Uh, Vidal Bruhan is another good trade chip because he is a guy that has actually shown some flashes of really good high level play. But this team is so blocked for a guy like Bruhan, like Taylor walls emerging really does like kind of take away the position from, from uh Bruhan. Like there's really not a lot of room there to, to roam, but he is better than just, you know, staying in triple a. So it would be nice to package a guy like him or Rwanda, who's in a similar position to see like, what is the best reliever? Not a top tier guy, but a guy that's maybe, maybe like a Josh Spores or something like that, or a King, where where it's like there's been some injury history. There's maybe kind of a little fringe. If that's a piece, again, you could see a trade where I, I do think I mentioned Justin Topa earlier. He's a big key for the Mariners who are who are still competing as well. But they're also a team with Colton Wong, who they brought in, has been a kind of a mess at second base. Um, so if you, if you have him, you need an upgrade at bat. You need an upgrade at, uh, at second, maybe from their strength in the bullpen, maybe there's an opportunity there to potentially add a bat. These maybe there's teams, a win-win they love to trade. trade too. They love to trade these two win win-win trades, I think could, could work where you have a surplus here and a surplus there and they're different and you can match up. I think stuff like that, where it's not like you're not getting uh, Andres Munoz or Matt Brash or 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 Paul Seawald. Don't worry about that. Look for like like they did uh, Eric Swanson for Teoscar Hernandez. Maybe like do like a trade like that where you add a piece that they need. Um, and the the Rays have a lot of infielders, so maybe there's something there. I don't know, but that's it. That's a, those are the type of trades, right? I think I think I would. That's the 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 goal is condition yourself for smaller trades now maybe by the deadline if there is an option to go out and make a big splash like nick anderson deal a few years ago maybe they do do that but i i just i cannot see this team trading junior camonero curtis mead or kyle manzardo for anything other than a humongous impact and i don't think a closer is that impact you that is you trade that for a a top starter you trade that for a impact bat you don't trade that for i think even the closer of the future i think you trade you trade other other pieces you don't trade you trade a mason montgomery for for you know uh alexis diaz you don't trade one of those top three guys and you probably miss out and that's that's the nature of trades yeah well there's a lot of baseball left to be played before we get to even thinking about trades although who knows it's may soon to be june maybe the rays shock us with one early on sometimes they tend to do that they're not afraid to it's just a matter of do you have another dance partner um mm-hmm. but they just dropped uh the series finale against milwaukee uh, six to four so they're now 34 and 14 on the season and still only one of two teams and we'll see what it's what it, what the numbers are like at the end of the day, but still one of two teams with 30 wins. Incredibly oppressive. We knew that this hasn't really been a skid. They've been playing 500 ball for the last two weeks or so, 
this is just what you can afford to do when you get off to the type of start that you do. And you're about to add Tyler Glass now. Like my take on the Rays has not gone down. In fact, maybe it's gone up. Like the Rays stock has gone up. Seeing how they've managed this really truncated rotation for a couple of weeks now without Rasmussen and continued to find ways to win games. Um, even when Wander Franco's cooled off a little bit, you missed Yandy Diaz for like four or five games. Randy Arozarena is still hitting really well, but he's not red hot. Um, and they're still finding ways to pull out these gritty wins, stay in first place. Although Baltimore's right there. That's kind of where I'm at right now with this race team, Darby. I'm, as we wrap up the show here, I'm kind of curious where you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, next week we can discuss like the, we can look back on, you know, Memorial Day is always a good t- time to check in uh, on the team because that's giving you enough data now to really like kind of get a sense of what what you're at. Uh, but I, I think May was the big test was would they sink or would they swim? And I I still thought that 500 through May would be successful. I think you're holding your own and and not getting too injured. You know, losing Rasmussen really hurt, but you're getting glass now back. So that's, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. I, I think overall in May, we have, we have seen that the, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, you know, they already have the best record against teams above 500. So that, that whole like narrative is already silly, but they are a team that has been able to compete on the road on a really tough road trip. They lost, uh, they went four and six against Baltimore, uh, the Yankees and the Mets with a grand total of a run differential of seven off in those losses, in those six losses. Six losses with seven runs as the differential. Five one-run losses, a few blown saves in there, four of them, uh, and one two-run loss. <laughs> so, like, those are all close. So you could have seen, th- the month of May could have also been a dominant statement had you gotten just a little bit better bullpen work. And that you was know, without Pete Fairbanks. That was without your best reliever. And that was without Fairbanks. And with Adam struggling. So, like, if he, you get... Yeah maybe like two or three of those 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 coin flip games going the other way suddenly now you're looking at a winning road trip a very tough long road trip and a a big time winning month so still another week to go but the rays are in a position where they they took a gauntlet and they have been able to survive it and they've been able to hold serve and now at the end of this week, they they are, you know, we we mentioned how they're not really doing any big trades. Well, they are about to acquire a Cy Young contending yeah. pitcher. <laughs> so you're about to add at the end of May a a Cy Young caliber starting pitcher to your rotation that has already been performing extremely well. So a team that is still 20 games up above 500 in first place by by three and a half. One of two teams with 30 wins have been able to face off against some of the best teams on the road and and hold their own, win some some close games, lose some nail biters, and now are about to add a top 10 and when he's on top five starting pitcher in Tyler Glass now. That's that's pretty, pretty fantastic as we get closer to uh to June. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that uh I think we need to send Josh Lowe to the All-Star game this year. He had another three for four day today, four runs batted in, a big three-run home run. Man, I mean, he is just 
someone who we had a lot of hopes for as a prospect. I was never 100% bought in on what he would be as a, as a big leaguer. Last year, I, well, I'll say it. I was kind of saying, I told you so about Josh Lowe. Like I wasn't sold on him. He had a pretty bad rookie season, uh, but now looks like an all-star. Um, and he's still hitting like fifth or sixth in this lineup, which is a testament to how good the lineup is. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Uh, we should be back next week. We'll have to figure out timing with Memorial Day and all those plans. But yeah, like Darby said, we can do kind of a checkup on the season, see where we're at and where the Rays need to go to continue what has been an incredibly fun season. Um, So if you like what we do, make sure to subscribe or follow to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to keep up with all of that great Rays coverage. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.